Hey, have you ever wanted an opportunity to learn and hear great conversation? If you want a chance to join that conversation. Each week we get the chance to talk to different creative people from all walks of life, whether it be singer-songwriters, writers, comic book writers, comic book artists, different creatives out there in the world. Even some wrestlers and people that get into different things like that. So we want the opportunity to have those conversations and we hope you'll join us. Thank you for coming to join us on Conversations About dot dot dot. The fun part is to be who fills in the blank. All right, guys, let's get into it. Now we're going into episode three of Falcon Winter Soldier. So we're just going to get right into the to the meat of it all and get into the um, different Easter eggs and so forth. So we start off with a, I believe it's a GRC uh, commercial. And this commercial is basically the global, um, I can't think of the name, but it's the, it's the committee basically that's trying to help the refugees come in and get back involved and everything. And so we get this lovely commercial and then John Walker and Battlestar show up at one of the places where the flag smashes were prior. And so as they show up and everything, they're kind of doing, you know, they're, they're basically, they're basically doing this thing where, you know, they're trying to find the flag smashers. So John Walker and Battlestar show up, Battlestar starts speaking in the language of the people. And then the guy basically pops off that, you know, he, he basically is not giving him a hold on what he wants. John Walker, Captain America comes in, he grabs him. He's like, do you not know who I am? And the guy spits in his face and he's like, yes, I know who you are and I don't care. Um, so it's an interesting thing because in that instance, you kind of really begin to see the breakdown continue with John Walker. This idea of being blatantly disrespected, uh, not being concerned for who he is, even though he has the name Captain America, he has that whole vantage point. He has that whole feel. And so not being respected at all. I thought that was a really interesting Easter egg for where this is going. So then we get a reference when uh, I thought it was really interesting. It kind of reminded me of Ant-Man a little bit when there was some about the breakout plans for breaking in and breaking out of, uh, of Scott Lang was talking about breaking in out of Hank Pym's house and how they were going through the plan and everything. I kind of wish that Michael Pena had been there explaining it because I love those little moments where he's explaining stuff that's happening. And you see Bucky kind of talking to Falcon. This is after they quote talked. Uh, so Bucky goes in and talks to talks to Baron Zemo, uh, who's using the name Baron Zemo now. And so ends up next thing you know, he go basically Bucky comes back to Sam and he's telling them about this breakout, this hypothetical breakout that's going on. And while the hypothetical breakout's happening that Zemo is doing, of course, it's actually happening in real time. So by the time he gets done telling the story, Zemo shows up <laughs> at the place where they are. And he's just like, uh, um, you know, why did you tell me this is for real? It's like, I was telling you. <laughs> so it's kind of their way of doing things. And so they end up going to Madripoor, which is an old school Marvel location especially as it relates to, you know, Wolverine, as it relates to Weapon X, as it relates to a lot of the criminal underworld and Marvel. And it's interesting because Baron Zemo basically takes them to Madripoor to try to find out where the secrets are, 
super, super secret. Ah. Super soldier formula is that's been developed. This new super soldier formula that's been developed. And so that's kind of what's going on there. So at one point it's funny because uh, Sam gets dressed up, I believe, as Gold Panther or Gold Tiger. And when he gets dressed up as Gold Tiger, you know, he tells, he says to, uh, he's saying to, to, to Baron Zemo, he's like, ugh, I look like a pimp. And Baron Zemo makes a comment, he says, only a black man from America would dress the way you're dressed right now and feel as though he's being made to look like a pimp. Instead of being a fashionista and think, consider it, and forward thinking about fashion. It's just funny because it's still a commentary on race in America. I think it's so cool to see kind of how this show really touches a lot of race in the world. Uh, using Baron Zemo to do it, of all people, the dude who, you know, and I'm glad they're kind of still playing with the idea that everybody that you think is horribly bad may not be, and everybody that you think is supposed to be the good guy may not be. Uh, so it definitely plays a lot on those things. And so you even get the little snake oil thing uh, where they they gut the snake and put it in the drink and Sam has to drink it because he's in character. Now, as you're speaking of in character, Bucky has to pretend he's the Winter Soldier again. And it's real interesting because there's a point where Baron Zemo says in Russian, you know, uh, Winter Soldier attack. And then uh, he just goes off. <laughs> and he just starts beating up a bunch of people. Sam even grabs him at one point. He's like, you know, and then Zemo's like, look, if you break character, they're going to turn on us. But it's interesting to see the look in Sam's eyes of this dude really is just gone there. Now, mind you, Bucky was still in full control of who he was, and so we felt like, although Zemo does say at one point, you know, I do see a little bit of the programming still in you. So, it's it's interesting. Uh, you can tell that Sam was very concerned. Uh, and so, anyway, they end up meeting Sylvie. They end up meeting Sylvie, who, and Sylvie, I believe, is a character in Marvel Comics. He's, it's funny, they kind of gender bent him, uh, but he's a, he's a guy in the comics that's a mutant. Uh, and so that's what he does, but in this case, it's a young lady who is in that role in the show. And so they tell him, tell him about the power broker, they try to, of course, Zemo knows that the power broker has access to make the serum. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on there. Uh, so they meet up with Silsby, and as they meet up with Silsby, uh, it's real interesting because, you know, we reference Sam and his issues with his sister dealing with the bank stuff. And so while he's pretending to be this other person, of course the phone rings right in the middle of everything. And so he has to pretend as though he's still uh, Gold Tiger, and he tries to play everything off. Doesn't quite work. And uh, next thing you know, a sniper shows up and we get Agent Sharon Carter back in the fray from, um, the first time I think we saw her was uh, Cap with a soldier. And she shows up several times in the course of the thing. We find out something real interesting in that the other Avengers who were pardoned, you know, and everything and got their lives back, she didn't. She's been on the run pretty much ever since. Um... And so, we don't know for sure about it. We don't know for sure what she is at. We don't know what her uh, where her allegiance is lie. I'm sure by episode six we'll find out, uh, or at least get some real good idea. 
so anyway, you know, she basically shows up. She kind of saves the boy, so to speak, from uh, a bounty that goes on their head. Uh, they get told that Wilfred Nagel, or Nagel, is the person they need to see. Uh, the name Wilfred Nagel actually comes out of the Truth series, and he was the scientist that was working on the serum before Steve got it. Because remember, Truth in the comic books, they did a little bit differently because in the comics, they actually gave the serum out. They were trying to serum out before Steve got the actual real stuff in the MCU. They played it a little bit different where they were trying to recreate the formula after Steve was already on ice. So, yeah, but it's interesting how they play this whole thing in this episode. Uh, Sam basically promises to get Sharon's name cleared. And so that's kind of where they go off on. And so she's, you know, doing her thing. You know, of course, they're concerned about Carly. They're concerned about the, the different people and everything. And so this is where, you know, they're going in and trying to find different things that help each other out. And, you know, Sam and Bucky are going down. There's, of course, we got the Baron Zemo dance meme that's all over the place now. <laughs> and where he's just, Baron Zemo's just doing this little dance thing. So they end up going to the shipyard, basically, to find the scientist that I mentioned earlier. And he basically tells them that he was on the verge of finishing up the stuff before the blip happened. He got blipped, apparently. So when he came back, of course, the power broker hired him to create this soldier, super soldier serum that he, they wanted created. And so... Zemo ends up shooting him because, of course, Zemo's whole thing is I don't want uh, I don't want a situation where this serum is being made because if this serum is made, you have the opportunity to create. It, he literally says at one point, you literally have the ability to recreate the Avengers uh, with this type of stuff. So he doesn't want it out there. And so he basically just puts two bullets to the guy and it's it's done for him as far as we know. Uh so they tell that story, you know, Sharon is just whooping everybody outside the deal while Falcon and Bucky and, of course, Baron Zemo are doing their thing. And by near the end of the end of the episode, you know, Sharon Carter kind of, you know, she gets in the car. You see her talking about the fact that, you know, we've got we've got a couple of new problems now. And she drives off with her assistant or whatever. So, like I said, we really don't know what side of the fence she's playing. A lot of speculation has been about whether she is the power broker or whether she's working with the power broker. We're not for sure which. Or if there's some sort of long con situation where maybe she's still undercover with the new version of S.W.O.R.D. We don't know. Um, and so maybe, you know, Sam Jackson and them, is, is Sam Jackson and Nick Fury and S.W.O.R.D., or working on their end to try to slow this thing down. And so she's working with him. We don't know. Of course, if he was working with Fury, I feel like he would have already gotten her pardon somehow. So I don't feel like that's necessarily the case. But that's, that's a lot of people speculating a lot of different things. And so basically the episode deals with that and finishes off with it. Of course, we're just, you know, like I said, it was episode three. We're trying to figure out where the next steps are. I was amazed by how much they let Sharon Carter do. Um, you can't tell me that Marvel doesn't have some kick-butt women. Um, and I know everybody thought that, oh, well, Black Widow is the most kick-butt. I was like, no, a lot of the women are pretty awesome in their own way. So they referenced Dr. Ernst again, which Ernst was the person who created the original formula for Steve. 
Uh, he was the one that ended up getting shot and killed, so there was no way for him to there was no way for them to recreate that formula. And so he was the person that they referenced when you know uh, they were going through the whole thing there. So I appreciate the fact that they kept that reference going. And I'm checking this to make sure. I know there was a point where there was a um, one of the women who was like a mother figure to uh, Carly. They basically were. Um, trying to set up a funeral real quick because she passed away and believe in this episode. And Sam gets a call from Torres, of course. Torres, who I'm hoping ends up becoming Falcon by the end of the series. Um, did the thing, of course. Uh, another thing I loved about this episode, too, was the fact that Sam said, you know, well, the legacy of the shield, man, I feel like it maybe should have been destroyed. You know, and Bucky's got like, look, we need a new cap, and it's not Walker. And so basically, Sam's like, the way this shield is going, I should have just destroyed it. And Bucky's like, well, if you do that, I'd rather just take it from you and not do it myself, rather than let you destroy the thing because of what it means, people. And it's like, ugh. You know, it's just heartbreaking because you understand how Bucky viewed the shield. And we also know in comics, of course, Bucky was Captain America at one point. So. Uh, we see Carly blow up this place that they were in earlier with this orphanage type. They were all these people. And so you kind of get the sense that she's really starting to go down this path of this dark evil path that's going on. And so basically, uh, near the very, very end of this episode, boy, I tell you, when this hits, it drops me like a ton of bricks. Uh, they're in Latvia. Um, not Latveria, not where Dr. Doom is, but Latvia. And so, uh, Bucky starts noticing some things. He starts looking around. He's kind of noticing some stuff. And he tells uh, Sam and Baron Zemo, I'm going to take a walk. And so, as he's going around, he's looking. He starts noticing these beads. And if you've seen the beads, they're beads that are very reminiscent of Wakanda. If you remember the beads that, uh, that Shuri made. And they're each coded for each Wakandan. And so when Bucky saw the beads, he started tracking them. He started trying to figure out where it was. And I think he would have known it was Ao by the way the beads were. Uh, basically, he comes up and he says, you know, look, I was wondering when you were coming. Next thing you know, he turns around and Ao is behind him. And Ao's like, we're here for Zemo. If you'll remember in Captain America Civil War, uh, Ao was on guard when Kane T'Chaka died. So she felt personally responsible for not being able to protect him. But as well as the fact that Zemo was the one that killed him and blamed it on Winter Soldier. So it's really interesting how that plays out and how that will play out in the next episode as well. So there's something interesting in that because you just see A.L. standing there, you know, speaking to, to Bucky and saying, we came for Zemo. And that's how it ends. And I was just like, whoa. You heard the you heard the Wakandan music and everything that went with it. It was great. I loved every minute of it. So we're gonna continue going forward. We're gonna go ahead and roll into the next episode. And the next episode is the whole world is watching. Now that title has a couple of different references that I want to point out to you. So the first one, before we even get started in the actual episode, uh in Black Panther, there's a moment where Black Panther is talking to Ao, after he's already caught Claw, 
He's caught Claw. Claw saying, King, King, mercy, mercy. And Black Panther says, every breath you breathe is a mercy from Wakanda. And he pulls up the claws. He gets ready to do do whatever he's going to do. Uh, I assume he's going to kill him. And, and Okoye comes up. And Okoye is like, my king, you can't do this here. The world is watching. And they look around and all of a sudden they just see these, everybody's got their cell phones out. Everybody's looking and watching what's going on. Because, you know, of course, there was this big chase and all this other stuff going on. The other thing I want to mention, uh, I'll mention it later when we get to that scene. So, um, basically, AO, we kind of start with AO and um, Bucky. You know, they're going through this whole deal. And initially, what's happening is, is that they're checking the programming. They're seeing if the programming is gone. And I really love how they pick up with this because the idea there is, is that, you know, if you if you remember how they did when they did the reveal in WandaVision about it, it was Agatha all along. And then they literally started the next episode with this thing where you see her story where she's going back in her background and everything and everything. I really love how they picked this one up once they started the episode. Because, of course, they did it previously on. But then you're in Wakanda and you see Ao with the White Wolf. Now, and, and yes, we've made reference to that before. Bucky was referred to as the White Wolf in Wakanda. He earned that title there. And so Ao, of course, refers to him as that. This is six years ago, according to the timeline. Um, he's concerned because if she says the trigger words and he reverts, then he'll hurt people. And she even tells him, she says, I won't let you hurt anybody. And so she starts speaking the words in Russian that would trigger him. And he's crying. He's sitting there looking, wondering if it's going to work. And he's crying. And when he realizes that he didn't change, he starts crying. He smiles a little bit as he's, as he's crying. And she says, uh, Bucky Barnes, you're finally free. And of course, we know watching the series, he's not as free as we think he is, but um, I thought that was a really cool way of doing it. Of course, somebody referenced the fact that it was really kind of cheap how they had him in the woods, which I'm like, no, because it makes sense, because you'd have him away from people. Um, and so basically, AO comes to him and says, hey, you know, this dude killed our king, he blamed it on you, and then our king made a decision to put him in jail instead of killing him himself. Uh, T'Challa. So then the Winter Soldier program went through and all this other stuff. We thought that was done. We got that out of your system. We did all this for you. We gave you a vibranium arm. And yet you got this dude out of jail? What's wrong with you? Um, so, you know, that's this whole thing. And so he basically is like, you know, look, we've got to have him out for a little bit. We're trying to do some things. And she's like, okay, I'll give you eight hours. We're coming after him in eight hours. <laughs> And it's really cool too that he speaks back in Wakandan, because that means he's had he had time to learn Wakandan while he was there. So basically, yeah, she said we're coming for him in eight hours, and he handed her the beads. <laughs> uh, which gives an interesting thing too, because the fact that if Wakandans don't want to be found, it's interesting that one person like Bucky would be able to find them. Of course, again, 
He trained, he learned in that world. So it makes sense. So they go up to their deal. Um, and I thought it was interesting. They went up to the deal, you know, they're doing all this different stuff and they're trying to work things out. And I love the fact that as Bucky comes in, you know, uh, Bucky basically tells Sam, well, the Wakandans are here. They want Zemo. <laughs> so it's just, you know, and so of course Sam's like, well, were you followed? He's like, well, of course I wasn't followed. Nobody's going to follow me. Um, so they go through this whole thing. Basically, again, you continue to see the descent of John Walker. Uh, Zemo has a real interesting point because he basically says, look, this girl has taken the serum. Either she's going to kill you or you're going to have to kill her. There's no other way to deal with it. And we all know Sam's not going for it that easy. Sam's not going for that route that easy because Sam's looking at it, trying to figure out a way to maybe work something out. Uh, as a you know, grief counselor, things like that, as an as a emotional support counselor for military people, he has experience in dealing with those things. And so Zemo and Bucky and um, Sam go out and they're trying to get information. And Zemo has some tiramisu with him. I don't think I've ever had tiramisu. Have you, you guys ever had tiramisu? I'm just curious. I mean, well, I was just curious what it tastes like. And anyway, they're going around trying to search and stuff like that. And I know at one point Sam comes in, he kind of says something to one of the guys. And he's like, look, I understand you guys are trying to help. But when you guys say you're trying to help, normally history shows that you don't really help at all. But Zemo basically uses the candy to get the kids. And so basically this woman who passed away, that means so much to the Flag Smashers, uh, Sam says, well, you know, my Annie, when she passed away, uh, you know, people in the world knew her, and so they had a funeral for her locally. And so maybe with this woman meaning so much to the Flag Smashers, they'd be somewhere they'd have this funeral. And so basically Zemo finds out where the funeral is going to be. And so the kids go up, you know, they get this little candy and everything. He even mentions they were my son's favorite candy. I thought that was really sweet uh, and touching for this person. And that, 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 and, and I'm, here's the thing. I'm, there's a part of Zemo that's going to always be the not so good guy. But there are moments where they even humanize him, which I think is interesting. And so he offers this candy to these kids and they tell him stuff. But he also tells these kids, don't tell these guys, those two, anything. Don't trust them. And so it's basically the idea he wants leverage. He wants to be able to control the situation. Again, Zemo is not innocent by the stretch of the imagination. Um, so they're trying to figure out where this funeral is going to be and all this other stuff. And... So again, you know, it's, it's Sam trying to, and I really appreciate Sam for this. Sam is trying so hard to see the best in Carly, even though, you know, you've got Bucky who I don't think Bucky has an opinion of it really one way or the other, but I know Zemo's pretty much like, you got to kill her. There's no other way to deal with this. You got to kill her. If you don't kill her, she's going to kill you type thing. So he's very absolute in that, absolute in that regard. Uh, so, of course, he's going in trying to get some information for Sharon Carter, trying to see if she could track John Walker. He's like, I, I don't want to go in blind. You know, I already owe you one, but if you got some eyes on the camp, that'd be good. If you got any tricks in your bag, she's like, I may have a satellite or two. <laughs> just a satellite. I don't know. Just, you know, maybe have a satellite available. And so there's a point where 
Carly and one of the people with her are talking about uh, they get the cell, they get the serum. That had done a count. They said there were eight of them total uh, out of twenty that the that they took. So they show some of them, and so they're basically saying, you know, you know, power brokers coming after them. They're trying to figure out what to do. They feel like that maybe they're being tracked. But what's really interesting is that the guy that's with her starts talking about how uh, somebody like you should be Captain America now. Um, I was inspired by the shield when I saw it. When I, I was very much a Captain America fan when I was a kid type thing. Um, and all this stuff, which is kind of foreshadowing to what happens at the end of this episode. It gets pretty dark pretty quick. Um basically says, I didn't think there could be another Captain America until I met you. And so I don't know what they're foreshadowing here. I hope that there's a foreshadowing that we get. Um, I think it'd be interesting if maybe Bucky worked with her to become something else more than she is, but we'll see. Uh, it talks about the fact of people keeping their hands clean. Again, that's another foreshadowing thing. What we're doing is going to outlive the legacy of the S.H.I.E.L.D., and so you get the idea that they're trying to figure out their plans to deal with the power broker because right now they've got the, they feel like they've got the leverage because they've got the serum. And she's even like, well, the shield should be destroyed. Uh, shield shouldn't even be a thing anymore. So, uh, so they're going to go pay their respects to Mama Doya. That was her name. I was trying to remember the name. And so, um, basically they say, you know, here comes, uh, John Walker and Battlestar, you know, and <laughs> So they're walking up, they're just like doing their thing and basically they're trying to take command of the whole deal. And so they're like, well, first of all, Zemo knows where we're going. And then secondly, Sam's like, look, we need to talk to her. We're not just going to go in. Even Battlestar is just kind of like, uh, hey, maybe we should let him try. You know, like maybe we shouldn't just go in there and just wreck shop all these fools. Like maybe we should actually take what he's saying to heart. He's got an idea. He's got a plan. And that's really interesting, too, because that was kind of Bucky's critique of Sam at first. He's like, it didn't seem like you have a plan. But Sam always had a plan. Um, so, yeah. And so that's really interesting, because, again, you're seeing the breakdown of what's going on with between John Walker and Battlestar versus Falcon and um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, in this case. So it's really interesting how that works. And he, again, he comes up with the fact that this is my wheelhouse. So I counsel soldiers. That's what I do. Uh, and Battlestar's just like, hey, wait, if you can talk her down, it's worth a shot. And so they kind of, you know, they don't really, you can tell John Walker really doesn't want to follow his lead because, again, it feels like he's being disrespected because nobody's really listening to him. <laughs> like, he's got this idea of what's happening, what needs to happen, and nobody's listening to what he has to say. So it's kind of interesting because first he wants Zemo as well. That's the other thing. He wants Zemo brought in. And so even though Zemo is actually leading them to Carly. So, and gives the little girl some money, which I thought was interesting because again, um, kind of shows he has a little bit of humanity in him. Um, I don't know how long we'll see that. And I'm not for sure if he's not just manipulating the whole thing, but I've always thought it was really cool. And need how it works. And I love the jacket. I love that nod to the comic book suit that he wears. And he has that really cool leather jacket with the the brushy uh, the brushy part of the deal. So then, of course, there goes Sam. 
and they're like, okay, you got 10 minutes. Sam goes and actually starts talking to her. Like he, and he respects her enough to let the funeral go on. Like he doesn't try to distract her. He doesn't come down there, walk down, you know, like some superheroes would walk down in there in the middle and let them know that, let them be seen, let themselves be seen. Sam didn't play that card. Sam was like up above. And there were kind of heels looking at her. And she was able to look at him. So she was able to see him. But at, in a way, I felt like that kind of built trust. So, but then here comes John Walker doing what John Walker does and being impatient, not willing to actually, you know, wait the 10 minute time. And it's funny too, because he even, like, Bucky stands in front of him. Bucky's just like, no, you're not going in there. You told him 10 minutes, let's give him his time. And he's like, must be so easy for you, isn't it? You got that super soldier serum running through you. Must be so easy for you. But your partner's going to get in there and get hurt. Do you want your partner's blood on your hands? And so that's kind of how they leave that. Well, again, now Falcon kind of messed up. Sam kind of messed up because he told Carly that he came by himself. And I really feel like he should have told her that he he has 10 minutes to try to work with him before other people come in. He didn't want to work with him, but he didn't have a choice in the matter. But he told give him 10 minutes. Like, just be honest with her. I don't know that that would have done any better, but I feel like at least that would have built more trust than what he did. Because by telling her he came by himself and then you realize he didn't, then it's like she feels like he lied to her. So that's kind of how that worked out. So anyway, we go through that whole thing. Um, Carly's running. You know, they're all, there's this big chase. Uh, Zemo ends up shooting her. Uh, not to kill her, but just to shoot her, just to put her down. He ends up stomping on the serum that's dropped. Now, mind you, he stomps on the serum that's dropped, but he doesn't stomp on all of the serum because when John Walker shows up, he throws the shield, knocks out Zemo, and he finds the last vial of the Super Soldier Serum that's there on the floor. And here's the thing. I don't think they had all the serum because if I'm not mistaken, that was six. You know, if you do eight, that's 14 out of 20, which means there's still some serum left out there somewhere. Uh, where it is, I'm not for sure. I don't know for sure if Carly has it or somewhere else or what. But um, basically, so John Walker talks to Battlestar, Lamar Hoskins at this point. He talks to him, and he's just like, you know, if they gave it to you, would you take it? He's just like, well, yeah, you know, of course I'd take it. It just amplifies what's already in you, right? And John's like, yeah, but what do you think would happen if I took it? He's like, well, dude, you've got three honor, three three medals uh, and such for your service and everything. You know, you always make the right decision. He said, that's one thing I love about you is that you always make the right decision in the heat of battle. And John's like, yeah, but... You know, we didn't do the most honorable things to get those medals. And so again, it's kind of that history lesson of it looks good on paper, but it don't know for sure if it's necessarily the best option. And you get this sense that he knows that he's going to take this vial. Because here's the thing. He has that vial he found, but he never shares it with John. He never says, hey, won't you take half of this with me or something like that. He just, it was like, if you had a chance to take it, would you take it? But then he just takes the whole thing because the next thing you know, um, Sam and 
Sam and Bucky end up meeting with Carly again because Carly ends up calling Sam's sister, which I'm just like, that's cold-blooded, man. But then, you know, basically, and she's a threat. Like, okay, look, get her, get him this information. If you don't get him this information, we'll meet in Louisiana by the boat with your kids. Sam is mad because Sam's like, why are you going to threaten my family? You know? And so he, she's basically like, I never meant to threaten your family. I never meant to do them harm. I just wanted you to know how serious I was. And they had already, the flag fashion's already come up with this plan where they're like, we're going to kill Captain America. Because we have to get rid of that symbol, you know, of, of peace and everything. Let's get rid of that symbol completely. Well, they go through this thing. They're there. Basically, the flag smashers all convene in this one building. They end up kidnapping Battlestar and tying him up in a chain or something like that and put him away. And then they're trying to get Captain America to come out. Now, when you see Captain America come out, first thing that's different is he throws a shield and embeds it into a wall, which never happened before. Uh, which that seems a whole lot more like somebody who doesn't know their own strength. But anyway, then this guy comes at him with a pipe and he like bends the pipe in half and Sam looks at him like, whoa, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> so uh, then through the process, you know, they're fighting, you know, it, it, it is a little nod to knife fighting that there's something that they were talking about that the people that were working on the project was talking about with the action scene. This is the people that did John Wick uh, worked on the action choreography for this particular episode. And they were saying they wanted to do a lot of knife work and a lot of close combat fighting stuff. And you see John Walker like, what's up with all the knives? <laughs> and um, so, yeah. So basically they're fighting, they're doing all this stuff. And then, um, next thing you know, they've got John Walker dead to rights. And, like, Carly tries to go up and stab him. Got to kill him. And, uh, and, uh, Battlestar has escaped because Battlestar, Battlestar is that kind of soldier. He's figured out how to get out of the chains he's in. He kind of spears Carly away from Cap so that, you know, away from, uh, not Cap really, but John Walker cap kind of spirits away from John Walker and all of a sudden Carly just in a moment of reaction hits Lamar Hoskins and knocks him into a pillar and for what it seems kills him now I say what it seems because you know it's very possible I mean we see him kind of go through this thing where he like he goes through and it's like uh you know and then his head falls um uh, I'm assuming that as for right now they're showing him as being dead. Uh, I'm really wondering if for the sake of the MCU, if maybe they do something else with that character. That's why he has to be dead for the world to know. And so all of a sudden, John Walker kind of, you can see it in his eyes. He kind of starts losing his head a little bit. And then the next thing you know, he... Um, the Carly and the rest of the Flag Smasher start running. So he starts running after this one dude. And so this one guy, the guy who actually said something about the uh, Captain America and how, you know, Captain America would, you know, was, was my, was my, was a hero to me at one point. Da, 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 da. All of a sudden, Cap gets him down in the square of Latvia. As he gets him down in the square of Latvia, Captain America raises the shield. John Walker Cap raises the shield. And proceed to hit this dude like three times with the shield 
in front of everybody. And so we assume that by the way the way the blood was hitting and everything, that more than likely he decapitated him. We never see the actual decapitation because again, it's a Disney Plus series. This ain't on HBO, y'all. So, but you just see blood everywhere and then there's the moment where you see all these cameras around him. You see all these people with cameras. Sam runs up. Bucky runs up. Carly runs up. And all of a sudden you just look and right at that moment you see Captain America standing there with blood on his shield from where he just took a life. Um, Now, of course, yes, it would be considered a war crime for him to do what he did. Uh, Yes, he basically killed a defenseless man. Now, yeah, were there motivations behind it? Yes, but at the end of the day, he still killed an unarmed man in front of the world. Because you know, with social media and everything, it took a matter of seconds to get it uploaded. Now, the other thing I was going to mention at the beginning was, was when he held the shield up, it was very similar to how Captain America held the shield up when he was fighting, him and Bucky were fighting um, Tony in Civil War. You see that moment where Cap screaming and he grabs the shield and throws it up over his head. And he, you think he's going to end up like decapitating Tony or cutting off an arm or something. And all he does, he just puts it right in Tony's chest plate. So his arc reactor gets cracked. So it starts dissipating energy. And so basically shortly after it, it dies. And so basically with him in the suit, he has no power to actually be able to move in it. And so, whereas Cap could have killed Tony, but didn't, this Cap definitely killed the guy in front of him. That was in a lost, worse state than Tony would have ever been. So, it, it's really interesting how the world is watching thing kind of played into that whole point with the title. So, you know what? I forgot something, y'all. I don't know how I could have forgot this. We're talking about fight scenes. Before this, uh, there is a scene where Baron Zemo asks Sam, he says, well, if you had a chance to take the serum, would you take it? He's like, no. And he's just like, huh, you answered that really quickly. No hesitation. I'm impressed, basically, because of the idea that Sam wouldn't allow, wouldn't choose to, to upgrade himself or whatever. So then, you know how I mentioned earlier that the Dora Milaje said they had eight hours, right? On cue, the Dora Milaje show up. And, of course, John Walker is there. Of course, Battlestar is there. Because they're trying to take Zemo in as well. Well, since the majority of uh, stuff going on has to do with Zemo from Wakanda's end, they're going to get him. You know, and so at one point it's like, I love the line where John Walker says something to the effect of, you know, well, the Dora Milaje don't have jurisdiction here. And she says, the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje find themselves. And again... Gotta give it up for these women. These women are just beautifully brutal. <laughs> like, they proceed to whip the dog snot out of, <laughs> out of John Walker, Captain America, and Battlestar. It's painful because at the point where uh, Bucky and Sam is looking at Bucky, and even Sam even tells him beforehand, he's like, look, you may want to go around with Bucky before you go around with them. Like, that's not the kind of smoke you want. And so when he tries to, like, 
put he tries to like talk down like he like first off he 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 off he threatens to fight Sam. He's like, you want to put the shield down, make it fair. And I'm like, make it fair, make it fair. This dude's fought Thanos. This dude fought other Avengers with more powers than you ever have. And, and make it fair, but that's side the point. He tries to talk to Dormelage down. Uh, let's put the pointy sticks away. And let's talk through this type thing. So he puts his hand on one of the Dormelage. I think it's Ale. He puts his hand on Ale's shoulder. And that's when it, the whooping starts. It just gets bad. Like, they at one point lock him down to where he can't even get his shield, like, back. His arm is locked down and the shield. He's just stuck at the table. Yeah, so he didn't understand the protocol when it comes to Dormelage. Like, you don't put your hands on us unless we want you to, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. They they put in work. And, of course, Baron Zemo's just sitting there drinking, watching the whole thing while they're going at it. And so it literally becomes the Dormelage versus, like, the Captain America Battlestar. And then because Bucky and Sam kind of have to get involved to slow it down a bit, they end up doing that more so for that purpose. Because Bucky's like, no, you can't do that. Now, here's the thing that's really cool about all that. All this fighting's going on. He's fighting different members of the Dormelage, and then he ends up fighting Ao. So as he's fighting Ao, Ao does like this little like punch trick type thing to his vibrating arm, and then all of a sudden the vibrating arm just falls off. <laughs> like, 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 we gave you that arm. You don't think we can take it away? <laughs> she literally hits like three points on his body, and his arm just falls off. She just looks at him like, you knew we could do that, right? Like, you didn't know? Like, really? <laughs> and then Zemo pulls it on Chapo and he escapes. So, yeah. It's kind of interesting how that worked. And then, by the way, the thing I love, too, is that the member of the Dora Milaje allowed John Walker to get the shield back up. She kicks the shield up like Steve would and catches it. And then she just hands it back to him like, yeah, here's your shield back. The lady with me told me I had to give it back to you, so here, take it. Because I'm going to take it as shield if I want to, you know that, right? <laughs> I was blown away by that. I was like, these women right here put in work. <laughs> and then, of course, John Walker's even sitting there going, they weren't even super soldiers and they whooped me. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It was great. So anyway, fast forward to the end, back to where we were. Uh, so yeah, John Walker has killed this man in cold blood in front of everybody. The world is watching. Um, they see this stuff go down. Carly's there. Like I said, everybody's there. Everybody sees it happen. And you just get the sense like, And he's just standing there with the shield, just blood on it, just like acting like everything's cool. And uh, then the next thing you know, uh, the episode ends with this really dark and somber music. So I will actually do episode five as a separate episode because there's so much to get dig in on episode five. And I want to make sure I get this episode five episode out before episode six drops uh, as far as the Easter eggs. Again, if you... I hope you listen to this. I hope you learn a lot of awesome stuff and I appreciate you. I thank you for checking these out with us. 
Um, if you're watching the Falcon Winter Soldier, let me know. The link in the description to the website's there if you want to get in and do reviews or whatever. Uh, if you're on Anchor, please drop a voicemail. I'd love to hear that as well. Uh, you have just joined us for another episode of Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. My name is Will. Glad to be able to go through Easter eggs of Falcon and Winter Soldier with you, episodes three and four. And above all else, guys, do me a favor. Be blessed. Be a blessing to somebody. Take care.